bottom left-hand corner. Double tap that. And we're broadcasting. Okay. So, and we're starting to let people into the room. And uh, Clark, if you want to. Oh, wait. Uh, no, we're not. Wait a minute. I will follow your lead, Cindy. Hang on just a second. I... Why am I not finding the broadcast? I thought I... Oh, there it is. Okay. Huh. People are actually going to be starting to come into the room, so... Um, so give us a second here to let everybody in. Um... So, attendees are coming in, and it's growing. It's over 40. So, 40. We're at, yeah, we could probably, you could start, Clark. We're at 50 people in attendees. So. All right. Hot all right. dang. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cindy, mm -hmm. the future Ms. Cindy Hollis. Yes, thank uh, you. <laughs> and welcome, everyone, to another ACB uh, community event here on Saturday, May 30th. Thank you to everyone who's joining us over the Zoom webinar, as, though, as well as those li listening over ACB radio um, and to all other places that we are broadcasting here tonight. The topic of this community event is the Disney Plus docu-series, or as I like to call it, doggo series, Pick of the Litter. Everyone remembers the Pick of the Litter uh, documentary that was done a couple years ago. Well, with the launch of Disney Plus, um, there was a new documentary series um, that aired as well. And this series follows guide dogs from guide dogs for the blind throughout the entire guide dog process. Um, so what does that include? That includes uh, puppies going to puppy raisers, coming back to the dog trainers, uh, getting paired with uh, hopefully the eventual dog handlers, as well as the trainers that work with them along the way. Uh, and we have some folks here who were stars of that series uh, who are willing to share their experience with us. Um, so as I scroll through here, um, do we have Claudia Guerra on the line? And she may be muted. I am not right now. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Here I am with my daughter, Martina. Yes. <laughs> and was this your first time being a puppy raiser? Uh, yes, this was our first puppy that we raised was Tarden. And Tarden. Tell us a little bit about Tarden. Oh, for the first time that we went to pick up Tartan, uh, very emotional, very excited. We didn't know much about racing, uh, but actually just been going to all the uh, training uh, classes every week. We start learning a lot. And Sure. And what was that experience like being a puppy raiser? 
Go ahead, Martina. Um, I mean, I think both of us just knowing that hopefully one day we were going to help someone. It was very rewarding for the mm -hmm. both of us, a very rewarding and exciting experience. And it was just, mm -hmm. it kept on making the both of us very proud that we were doing something for the community. And it was just a really nice time for the both of us. Yes. And Claudia or Martina, have you had uh, dogs or pets previously? Uh, before Tartan, we have a cat named honey and um i know tartan and her they loved each other they would always play and we had like a few other pets before but um i personally never had a dog before so um it was definitely really interesting um <laughs> yes. getting like you know a puppy but like not you know having like the normal kind of pet experience and like sure yeah it's but it, I think it was really cool and I wouldn't have it be any other way. So, mm -hmm. and, I, and I know this is uh this is something that a lot of people think about watching the pick of the litter series. What is it like um, receiving training and getting attached to a puppy, uh, but then having to basically send it off to school or to college? Like it grows up, it flies, flies <laughs> the nest. What's that like? I mean, we do get, very attached um and you know we love her but i you know i think all those feelings it just goes away because i just keep on thinking in my mind mm -hmm. it you know tartan is going for a better purpose and you know she's going to be helping a person and it really doesn't make me think like any negative thoughts that you know i might never see her again um i just think of all the good moments that we have had together and even though I, I might have shed a few tears the moment I was letting her go, really, like, you know, a few days after, I was just totally happy that she was about to go on the way or the road to be with someone, you know, who is really going to impact the person's life. Well, I imagine that was a little bit rough and that it may have given you a moment of pause. Um, but I'm glad that uh, you all were able to see the bigger picture. Um, I personally would not have been able to do that. So I, I'm thankful for folks like you, Claudia and Martina. Um, and then we also have the, another puppy raiser family, uh, the Dupree family. Uh, are they on the line here? Clark, they're in the attendees and we're going to bring them up. Okay. I'm going to get them right now. So Sure. So while we're waiting for the Dupree family, Claudia and Martina, would you uh, would you raise another puppy? We are already raising our second puppy. Absolutely. <laughs> you're, are you saying you're doing it right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, right now we have a yellow lab called Olivia. She is a female and she is very, you know, energetic and cute. And she's actually um, one year old already. Yes. So yeah, we've oh, wow. had her for a pretty long time. We got we actually um received her on the day that we Drop dropped off, off mm -hmm. Tartan for <laughs> recall. So we didn't really uh take a break. <laughs> we kind of just went oh, right into it again. Um but and yeah. how does how does Olivia's personality compare to Tartan? Are you finding that you need to train them differently? Um uh yeah, we find that they're very different in yes. personalities. Um Tartan <laughs> 
on one hand was very energetic and spunky and like her energy would never die die <laughs> down she can go on a hike all day if she wanted to while with olivia although she does have her energetic moments she's more um you know, died down a little bit. She's more relaxed. And, you know, sometimes she's kind of a little lazy. She kind of likes to sleep kind of all the time. But um, she keeps us going anyways, yeah. <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and do we have the Dupree family? Or Sanjita Joshi? I'm here, Sanjita here. Hi, Sanjita, how are you? Hi, doing good, how are you? Doing well. And I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Sangeeta. Sangeeta. Okay. That's correct. And you were a first time puppy raiser, correct? Yes, I was. And who was your puppy? Uh, Tulane was my first puppy. And now I'm on to my second puppy. His name is Nilix. So he's a. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> okay. And tell me, I'm not familiar with Tulane. Tell me a little bit about, about uh, Miss Tulane. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where should I start and whether I'll be able to stop them? That's the question. <laughs> so Tulane, uh, from day one, she's just a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, very positive, go-getter kind of attitude. Um, she kept us on our toes pretty much. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, extremely energetic pup, um, very cute, very loving. Um, every day you are showered with a lot of kisses. I'm sure uh, Claire can speak to the, all of that. Um, yeah, she's just fun puppy to be uh, to have around. And what uh, what got you into wanting to raise a guide dog puppy in the first place? Um, so when um, so in my neighborhood uh, we have a handler who uses the guide dog puppy. Um, and uh, she's a friend of mine now. And uh, we started talking about her experience having the puppy around and how that helps her. Um, so just, you know, knowing more about uh, the puppy and um, how the process works, how it benefits someone. Um, I knew and I love dogs and I have my mm -hmm. own pet dog, but I, um, I, you know, I just, just fun to have the dog, you know, puppies around and uh, be able to, um, do something productive with the time when so I knew when I had a little bit of time at hand I wanted to do something um that get, that would be of interest and this was definitely something that I thought um would be a lot of fun and were you at all concerned when uh you brought Tulane back uh, were you concerned whether or not she would continue on to the next phase of training um, yes, I was. Um, so uh, I think, I mean, first of all, that was, she was my first puppy. So I um, mm -hmm. didn't quite know what to expect, but just um, understanding how the process works and uh, from the hearing from other experienced uh, puppy raisers, I knew that there is nothing definitive about this whole process and uh, you cannot really predict what is to happen. Um, so um I wouldn't say I had my doubts, um, but again, I, I it, it wasn't like a hundred percent guarantee that she would make it through either. So I, you know, yeah, so it was just sort of wait and see how it goes. Um, her mm -hmm. biggest challenge was her, her excitement, her and her energy level. So if she could kind of um, channel that in a positive way, I knew that she had a great potential. Well, I'm. Um 
I think it's interesting to hear that Tulane kept you on her toes because she does <laughs> like to to hop around and jump off the ground on all fours. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I'm glad that, you know, as a puppy raiser, that she made it through and she didn't send you home with your tail tucked between your legs. <laughs> yes, uh, me too. Uh, this is just and, amazing. And we have the, the yes, Dupree family. Can you hear us? Yes. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. All good. And you all raised Paco, correct? Yes. Yes, and we did. Paco was our second um, puppy. That's great. And when did you learn that Paco would be part of the Pick of the Litter series? Go ahead, Sue. Oh, probably months before. Um, I want to say maybe... January or February was when we we were reached out by GDB Marketing. Okay. And did that impact how you trained and raised Paco? Um, not necessarily in terms of our raising or training Paco because we follow GDB protocol pretty strictly, or at mm -hmm. least try to. But the stress, the stress level. <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> just knowing that we were held uh, more accountable. So we, we were just a lot more stressed out a lot about it. I think. <laughs> and, and again, Paco was the first puppy that you raised. Paco's our second dog. Okay. Your second dog. So how did, how did that stress level of, you know, you raise a first dog, obviously <laughs> it's something new and different, but then you have a second dog and Oh, by the way, you're going to have a camera crew. Was that, was the stress level similar or just um, different, but in different ways? Why don't you answer, Jenna? Um, so I, I personally think that it just added to it. Um, our first dog was uh, career changed because another dog like kind of spooked it and the dog lost confidence. So we were really, really hoping that Paco would be the one because we all put in so much work for it. But there is definitely like while we have with and without the cameras uh, maintained like GDB protocol and we followed what we knew was our, in our training. In the camera crew just, it was stressful because we wanted to, of course, portray our family in the most accurate way possible along with our effort in the personality of Gibraltar, or not Gibraltar, sorry, that's our new puppy. Um, <laughs> so you're starting on your third now. Yes, we currently have, I believe he's, 15 months 17 months old jenna so he is a 17 month old black lab um we got him the same day we picked up or we dropped off paco and yeah he's a great dog he's really really sweet like compared to paco he's literally like the biggest cuddle bug like paco would like let you know that he loves you by like I don't know, just like coming up to you, licking you, and then walking away and doing his own thing. And but Gibraltar just has to be like on you or like touching you constantly. He just loves like physical touch and stuff like that. All right, that's my kind of dog. <laughs> well, thank you to Sanjita, the Dupree family, and the Garas for the work that you all did raising these puppies and getting them to the next phase here. Um, not only as guide dogs, but also for us all to watch and enjoy in the Pick of the Litter series. Of course. And 
now I'd like to transition to now that we have these these puppies, you know, they got their their caps and their gowns. They're they're moving on to bigger and better things and they're getting paired with some dog handlers. Um, so do we have Olivia Mers? Ah, yes, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. And thank you for joining us here on an ACB community community chat. Um, streaming live on ACB radio. Of course. Um, so what dog were you paired with in the series? I was paired with Tartan. Okay. Tartan, who we heard from Claudia and Martina about. Yeah. And uh, what was it like when you first met Tartan? Um, it, it's funny because it was not quite what I expected. Um, she was pretty calm when I met her at first, she was like kind of crazy and then just kind of calmed down. And that was about it. And like, she just laid in my lap, um, on the floor and just, that was it. And it was such a sweet moment. Like it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like, I was like waiting for her to just attack me and it didn't happen. And it was so cool. And Olivia, do you feel that Tartan's personality matches your own personality? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, We go on so many adventures. I'm in college, so her and college campus get along great. Everyone loves seeing her on campus. Professors love her. Um, We're just a very active group or pairing, I guess. That's just how I've been. And now that she's around, it's even more. Sure. And as a first time um, dog handler, uh, do you think your experience was impacted by the cameras in the series or is it you didn't know what to expect anyway? So just jump in head first. Um, I think it for the most part, it was OK. Um, it definitely stressed it out just a little bit. Um, just due to the fact that it was like, okay, we need you to do this exactly and do this. So that was like a little bit stressful, but, um, overall it was uh, guide dogs. I, I grew up knowing guide dogs cause I went to lighthouse for the blind. So growing up knowing guide dogs, I always knew they were helpful. And I had Kelly Martin, um, as my like class supervisor and he was so helpful if I got stressed out with that stuff. So. Well, great. And I, you and Tartan are going strong as well here uh, a year or so later? Yes, we are. Great. Yeah, we, um, we're we going into my last year of college together. Awesome. And do we have uh, Eva Vales on the line? And if we're getting Eva off of mute here while Eva's joining us. I will pivot to ACB's own Claire Stanley. Hello, Clark, and I will forgive you for your horrible, horrible puns you've been making. I will not accept your forgiveness, Claire, (laughs) and I have plenty more where those came from. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, Claire, uh, you've had many guide dogs, haven't you? I mean, three. I don't know if I'd say many, but I've had a few. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. And those include Scarlet. Nope. Wrong. 
No. Oh, shoot. No. I mixed up already. <laughs> you did mess up already. Well, well, that's embarrassing. You guys um, are cute. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> uh, now you have to name Claire, all three of them, Clark. <laughs> who, well, obviously, I know Kodiak. <laughs> that's good. My, you worked with Kodiak, <laughs> my second favorite. Um, who, Claire, who was your first guide dog? Uh, my first guide dog, her name was Corolla, like the car. Um, she was half lab, half golden retriever. Um, so I called her my hybrid. So I called her my compact little hybrid Corolla. So she was a good girl. There you go. That's a good starter car. Yeah, exactly. Good, good starter guide dog. <laughs> and then you had Mr. Kodiak. Mr. Kodiak or the Codesters. And... Yeah. A year ago this week, you met Miss Tulane for the first exactly. time. Exactly. Yep. On the um, the 27th. So just over a year, a few days over a year now, um, Tulane and I met for the first time. So we celebrated our anniversary on Wednesday. Yes. And what was that like? I mean, obviously, it's not the first time you've gone to the Guide Dogs for the Blind, the GDB campus, and you've been introduced to a new guide dog. But this time there were cameras. Yes. Uh, did that change the experience at all? Yes and no. Um, you know, GDB does such an amazing job every time um, working with you when you're going through the process. So because of that, it didn't feel different. But having cameras there watching you, especially the moment you get your dog, definitely makes it a little um, nerve wracking because the moment you get your dog or you're waiting, you're uh, waiting to meet your dog. So just the moments before um, all three times I've been so anxious and nervous and you're waiting yeah. for your trainer to knock on your door and hand her over that leash. Um, and then this time I'm sitting there and a camera crew is saying, so how are you feeling? And I just wanted to be like, ah, give me my dog. Stop talking to me. Um, so it's definitely a, a funny, different experience this time. And one of the most, uh, especially knowing and sharing offices with Tulane, uh, hearing you describe how Tulane just showered you with kisses the yes. first time that you guys met. Uh, I imagine that happens still on a daily basis. Has anything uh, yes. changed in a year of working with Tulane? No, she is still her same wiggly, bouncy, loving self. Um, such a great worker, loves working in harness. But when the harness comes off, she is all about wiggling, all about playing and all about giving lots of kisses. So, yeah. Nope, she's still the same Tulane everybody met on the show. Yeah. And Cindy, do we have Eva Valles? Uh, Eva, if you're having difficulty, the, uh, the mute button is on the bottom, far left bottom, if you just double tap it. And if we're still waiting for Eva... Um, I know I heard Kendall earlier. Hi. Can you Hi. guys hear me? We can. How are you doing, Kendall? All right. I'm wonderful. How are you, Clark? Doing well. And Kendall, you had a bit of a unique experience on the show. I definitely did. And it's an experience that I would not have traded for the world looking back. So yeah. my experience with, yes. So I had... Okay, so I applied to get a guide dog in January after watching the documentary pick of the litter. And then I found out in April that I was going to be featured on pick of the litter. And Dana and Don and the film crew 
came out to film me in May. They filmed me around my university, which was super cool. And then they filmed me driving through the airport with my family. And then, of course, you got to see me meet my dog. And then you got to see me back in Austin with my family, explaining why I didn't ultimately get the dog. And so most people, you know, in in most people's experience, they do go home with the dog. However, sometimes there are circumstances that are just be and that's what I quickly learned when I went to GDB and when I got dogs for the blind. And I I quickly learned that, okay, I just don't have the orientation and mobility knowledge I need to successfully work with the dog. And that's okay. So what ended up happening was that I went to this amazing, life-changing program called the O&M Immersion Program. And I worked for six days on how to best orient myself in environments that are not familiar. Because as a cane user, it's a lot different than as a guide dog user. And you learn different skills when you're a cane user than you would if you're a dog user. And I'm so thankful for my amazing instructor, Chelsea Adelot, who is on this podcast because she and my class supervisor, Mr. Darren Walsh, recommended that I enroll in the O&M Emotion Program. And I did that last summer. And I had the greatest experience. And I would honestly do everything again because if I can encourage one person and say, you know, even though this happened to me, I will go get a dog in the future. That's what I want to do. And Kendall, uh, that immersion program, O&M, Orientation Mobility Immersion, that was also offered by Guide Dogs for the Blind? Yes, the O&M immersion program was offered by Guide Dogs for the Blind in conjunction with, it was offered from Guide Dogs for the Blind at the Earl Baum Center for the Blind, which is in Santa Rosa, California. So it's about, I want to say 45 minutes away from San Rafael. But it is a it is a remarkable program and it has changed my life so much and I still use all the skills that I've gained from the program and I definitely know that when I am ready to apply for my guide dog again whenever that happens I will be well equipped to do that. And Kendall, you said that uh, you know you learned a lot. Um, both personally in terms of orientation mobility and that you'll be ready the next time you apply. So you intend to apply for a guide dog again? Oh, absolutely. I am going to be applying in the near future for a guide dog again, for sure. And what what specifically in your orientation and mobility skills do you think that you've learned or improved upon um, to make you an expert dog handler when that day comes? Oh, that is a great question. Okay, so I would say the biggest thing that I've approved or improved on in my orientation and mobility skills is staying oriented. And when I get disoriented, how to how to re how to become oriented again, I would say for sure is one of the biggest things that I've learned. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing your experience and thank you for keeping uh, such a positive attitude in a situation um, that was very challenging. Um, And thank you for sharing that experience with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I mean, life always works out just the way it's supposed to. And I strongly believe that.
Yeah. And next I'd like to go to... Hey, hey Clark, just yes. to jump in for a second. This is Claire. Um, Cindy and or Deb, we were told that um, Eva Velez is actually part of the audience with the... No, the she's... No, she's... She's in the panelists, and she is unmuted, actually. Oh, yay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Ava, are you here? She is unmuted. And she is in panelists. I, so it, All right. It doesn't... Ava, we cannot hear you if you can hear us. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep working on that, and... I'm going to move on to uh, someone whose name has already been invoked, a GDB, Guide Dogs for the Blind trainer, Chelsea Adler. Chelsea, are you with us? Hi, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we can. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for the plug there, Kendall. That was very sweet. (laughs) So Chelsea, how many dogs have you trained? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I just celebrated in January of 2020 was my five year anniversary with guide dogs and guide dogs for the blind. And I started in the kennel for about six months as a kennel tech. Um, So kind of doing the daily enrichment feeding cleaning for all of our dogs that are in training and then moved into my apprenticeship. Um, about six months after I started. So that was about four and a half years ago. And then if you do the math, every three months we're training four dogs. So I'll let you do the math. <laughs> wow. I was told it's there would be no lot. math on this podcast. So <laughs> moving on. Um, training, training four dogs every three months. Um, so geez, 16 a year for four years. How, how different are the dogs? Is it, you know, as soon as you do one, as soon as you train one dog, can you train all dogs? Um, How much do their personalities and temperament um, and learning style differ? Um, Incredibly. I mean, all, all dogs are different. I think you can have some generalized temperament qualities that, you know, can relate from one dog to the next, but you know, that's why we have a three year apprenticeship on the job training for all of our, our instructors. And mainly being an apprentice, you have some time with a mentor, you have time with supervisors, with senior staff, because really, even though I've worked at guide dogs for five years, each dog still teaches me something new. Um, and, you know, our general training cycle, yes, dogs are completing the same types of activities, right? Like you, everyone saw the dogs do escalator training, they saw the dogs do traffic mm-hmm. training. And yeah, all of the dogs get those benchmarks in our training cycle. But my mindset is kind of how we go about how it's going to benefit this dog the best. So whether or not whether or not it takes more time to get to those benchmarks or maybe they progress faster because they are really sharp. Um, it just kind of, it depends on the dog. Definitely. And how many dogs in the pick of the litter series did you train? Um, I was blessed to train Tulane and Tartan, the little T sisters um, for pick of the litter. 
And for example, how did, how did those two differ? Was there something you had to work on more with one versus the other? Um, you know, they both are so enthusiastic and so we're so easy to train, but in, in different ways. Tulane is kind of that, I called her my straight A student and teacher's pet. It was like she studied the manual of training, guide dog training overnight, and then would come and be like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And she would just do it with her tail going 100 miles a minute. Um, and it was just kind of like, I was like, how did she, how did she already know how to do everything? <laughs> um, and then turn just loved to work. Like she was just ready to go at a moment's notice. So enthusiastic um, that really all I had to do with both of them is kind of channel them in what we wanted from them and using positive reinforcement. They were like, okay, we're in, this is our job and we love it. So it was pretty special to train both of them. That's great. And Chelsea, uh, I mean, being, I'll say an expert handler um, in doing this for four plus years, what was it like for you as, excuse me, not a handler, but a trainer, what was it like for you having film crews involved in the process? Um, I mean, initially it was a little scary. I mean, I was a little bit nervous and, um, you know, having the camera crews, the microphone on and kind of wanting to do everything right and perfect. And, um, kind of, I hold myself to that high standard. So not only, you know, wanting me to do really well, but the dogs to perform well. Um, but we're lucky enough that in this career, because it takes a long time to learn, we are used to people watching us. Um, you know, everyone saw our testing. We, you know, wear a blindfold and we have our supervisor staffs following us. So we're used to people watching us do our job to a certain extent. Um, I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself because in the beginning I was like, okay, I need to make sure people understand how we train guide dogs. And then I was like, no, this is not about how, this is not a how to become a guide dog video. It's a docu-series on the whole process. So after, you know, um, a few weeks into the process, I released some of that pressure and just enjoyed it. And it was, it was so fun, but it's been so much more fun staying connected with everyone post docuseries, um, you know, getting to, I actually got to visit Claire and Tulane in Washington, DC on a follow-up trip with Guide Dogs for the Blind. Um, staying connected with Kendall and Olivia through social media has been amazing. So that's been more special to me than even, even the process in the beginning. Yeah. And, and I assume you had to do an in-person visit for Claire in Washington, DC, because she needed extra work and special attention. <laughs> and I, I totally, I totally understand. Um, it, Chelsea, if I may put you on the, on the spot here, um, you do something really cool for the, the dogs and the handlers that you work with that graduate. Can you share with us the special gift um, that you pass along as well? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I have it on good authority that you made a pretty cool uh, braided leather lead oh, for Miss Tulane. Oh well, see, this so, is what you get. <laughs> shout out to Man Shout out to Mandy Jones, another amazing instructor at GDB that Tulane and I had the opportunity to work with when I was there. She was our our instructor. 
um, you will see her in Pick of the Litter as well. She's the one um, who works with me and Tulane on our first uh, trip together. Um, and she made a beautiful um, woven uh, leather leash for Tulane and I. So yes, we that that's Mandy. So shout out to Mandy. Yay, Mandy. <laughs> and Claire, since you're here and unmuted, um, just back to you. How actually, did this, well, actually, I'd like to tell everything's, you everything. Everything's Claire, about and back to Claire. So yeah. yeah, I'd like to tell you that while speaking, I got a text <laughs> message on my phone from Kodiak Stanley, and he's insulted that you said that he is your second favorite. So just thought I would share that text message from Kodiak Stanley. Well, I have to keep Miss Tulane uh, <laughs> on a pedestal since someday we'll be someday we'll be back in an office together. <laughs> and sharing a sunbeam on the carpet. Yeah. So, Claire, what has been the most memorable or your most enjoyable memory of the Pick of the Litter process and series? Oh, gosh. Um, it's really hard to pick any one specific memory there. It was just really fun. Um, so I think I'll pick a couple of the funniest memories because I always like to go funny. Um, before I even met Tulane, um, when the camera crew first came out to Washington, D.C. Um, to, to see a day in the life of Claire, um, and me work with my now retired guide, Kodiak, that we were just speaking with, speaking about, um, it was probably similar to the weather we've been having in D.C. this week. Very hot, very humid, just cliche D.C. weather. And they wanted to watch um, Kodiak and I walk up and down my street to get some good camera shots. And I just remember he's this big 65 pound black, black Labrador and it's miserable, humid DC weather. And I just remember laughing inside because I could swear as we were walking back and forth, he was thinking, are you guys insane? Why are we doing this? Um, so just some of those fun memories of working for the camera crew and that with, you know, repeating ourselves over and over again. And you could tell the dogs were like, I don't know why we're doing this. This seems very silly. <laughs> so. I remember that well in episode three of Pick of the Litter, where we first met Claire and got some insight into uh, a day in the life of Claire. And it was very, not only was it well done, but it was also very well audio described for folks who have not watched Pick of the Litter on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's very easy to go into the audio and language settings and select audio description. And they do a great description of the Washington Mall, the Tidal Basin, even what Claire is wearing. Um, so, so yeah, that's <laughs> spring in Washington D.C. It, it just makes a smile. So that that was as, a, a great memory. And just to put a plug in for that, Clark, um, this summer at our annual convention at the ACB convention, the Audio Description Project (ADP) is doing a. Uh, co-event with guide dog users so audio description project and guide dog users will be having um, a, a group together uh, an event together showing a few episodes of pick of the litter um, to see the show but also to emphasize the audio description that was provided for the show so just a fun plug for our convention this summer if you're coming to our virtual conference this summer check that event out that's great and if if we have the um, the puppy raisers, if you all could unmute yourself. So Claudia and Martina um, Guerrero, 
uh, or excuse me, Gara and the Dupree family. Yes, and hello. And Sanjita. Um, what's uh, what's going to be the lasting memory for you from being involved in this process? Go ahead, Martina. No, you can go. Um, I think it was very rewarding. I just love to see, and I have seen uh, Pick of the Litter million of times, uh, just to have every <laughs> most of us uh, right now um, online. Uh, it's very emotional. Uh, it's like I, like I know you so much already, and all the words that we 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 have with um, you know amazing. Uh, it was very rewarding just uh, the uh, race start time and being able to be in the series and able after to see everybody involved. Um, it had been amazing and just let people be aware of what Guide Dog for the Blinds does for everybody, um, for the visually uh, blind. Uh, it's very rewarding. We're very proud of what we did. Uh, so here we go. Uh, do you want to say anything, Martina? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just definitely cool to have a new experience, not only just raising a GDB puppy, which is something we'd never done before, but on top of that, being filmed by the cameras and getting to mm -hmm. inform people about what we do and why we do it and why we love it so much. Um, and it was just really fun being around everyone and the camera crew getting to see Tartan's like fun personality and see her run all over in the house the first time that they came. It was just an overall really good experience to have them around. Very nice. And the Dupree family? Sure. Um, who would like to go? Sue? Um, I can. This is Ollie Dupuis, um, one of the children. I think for us, a really powerful moment was being able to meet um, Eva Velez and getting to see her work with a dog that we had raised and put so much love into. She's a fantastic woman and just being able to meet her, hear her story and hear about all the things that she does um, and all the things that she and Paco were going to do. Uh, marathons, um, hikes. Oh, also, wow. It made us... It, it would, it made all of that training worth it. And it was such a powerful moment for all of us, I think. Very cool. And Sanjita? So, um, the lasting memory for me would be all the wonderful memories that uh, we have spent with Tulane. As for docu-series in specific, um, I think it's just, it's gonna be another source to watch. Uh, her whenever I miss her. Um, and um, just that docu-series, uh, being able to watch it and appreciate all the hard work um, that goes into the process of making a guide dog. I hear you. I haven't seen Tulane since February in our ECB national office. And I very much look forward to that day. I've even thought about sending an Uber to Claire's uh, condo to pick up Tulane. But I don't think that would go over so well. Yeah, I do get to see her pictures and hear about her once uh, every once in a while. So that's I always look uh, for Claire's uh, text messages. Yeah, and Ava Valles, um, if you've been able to, she, uh, she's not on right now. She has okay. been jumping on and off. I think she's having trouble getting herself uh, oh, unmuted. So. Yeah. That happens from time to time. 
Yeah. Um, and Kendall, are you still with us? Oh yeah, absolutely. Kendall, uh, I know. <laughs> again, your your experience is uh, is so different and so transformative that I I have to expect that your answer will be somewhat different than the other the other panelists. What's what's your greatest memory and what's your biggest takeaway from being involved with the pick of the litter experience? My biggest okay, my best memory of being on pick of the litter. I have a few. So I would say meeting the dogs or meeting Tartan was great. And then getting to connect, getting to see how Tartan works with Olivia has been amazing. And Olivia and I are good friends now. And so that's been really cool. And then I would say another memory from Pick of the Litter that I will always hold near and dear to my heart is that they filmed me at one of my favorite restaurants in Benton. And getting to experience that with my best friends was super fun and just the anticipation that we all felt about okay i'm gonna bring home this dog what kind is it gonna be what's its name that was really cool and then finally the biggest takeaway i have is that i just wanted to represent myself in the best night possible and i wanted to just be really real with viewers and say you know even though i didn't get to bring tartan home with me that's okay because you know i I didn't know that you couldn't go home with the guide dog. I had just never heard of that happening before my story. So mm. I just wanted I just wanted people to realize that it can happen. And if, you know, that's okay. Not everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to, but it always works out the way that it's supposed to in the end because I am going to apply for another dog. It's just a matter of when. And, you know, I think that the biggest takeaway I have is just, you know, it's so, I mean, it was, the camera crew was amazing and they were so professional and they took such good care to film everything just at its truest, rawest, and realest sense. And I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll never forget how much professionalism went into that. And it's so fun because even to this day, I still have people tell me that they watch Pick of the Litter and that they love it. And then it opens up a conversation of, what was your yes. favorite episode? And of course, everybody has a favorite episode. And so I love hearing what people have to say about the show. And it, it's really cool. It's all around. I would totally do it again. That's great. Thank you, Kendall. And, and Olivia, uh, you and Tartan have been rocking and rolling for a year now. Uh, what yeah. was your favorite memory of the whole experience? Um, you know, it, it's really hard. Um, I think from the start, you know, I was thrown into it very, very randomly. Um, and I was actually, it was the weekend I was headed to guide dogs. I got a call from Kelly and Kelly's like, Hey, do you mind being filmed for a docu-series? And <laughs> I just kind of was, my mom was on my, her way to pick me up. And I was just like, I guess not. No, sounds great. Like, I got in the car and my mom's like, that's awesome. Um, so like right from the start, it was such an amazing experience. Um, but I think during filming, you know, um, I just got to interact with so many people that I never would have, which is amazing. And I've gotten to connect with Kendall. Like she said, um, my family lives in Texas. And so we've actually got to meet, which is really amazing. Um, and she got to see Tartan again, which, has always been something really important to me. It's like 
that was her dog for a while and I still think that every single day like it's our dog like I work with her but anytime I can get Kendall to see her it's something special to me but yeah that's awesome uh, and then before we go to Q&A here, um, I'll just kick it back to Chelsea. And Chelsea, is there anything else that you think is a, important for folks to know either about uh, working with a guide dog, the training of guide dogs and puppy raising, um, or just the whole experience of the Pick of the Litter series? I mean, we've, that's a huge question, but I think, you know, coming together with this podcast or webinar, you know, we have our puppy raisers, we have our graduates, our clients, we have the trainers and kind of just the idea that it, it takes a village to make these guide dogs and to be successful. And I'm so thankful for the series for being able to spread awareness and, you know, give positive coverage from people all over the world. It's been pretty special to get those messages of people hearing about guide dogs for the blind across the globe and you know their positive praises to me and to the organization that I work for um, and you know it's done great things for GDB as well so getting you know more volunteers more donors um, more potential clients so um, that's it's been you know an amazing experience all around Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, and Cindy, as we move to Q&A, uh, question and answer from the audience, are there any instructions that folks need to know to participate? Um, only that uh, Nat, Nat is assisting me, and so she'll be calling your name when it is your turn to talk. Uh, you can raise your hand with Alt-9 if you're on the phone. If you are on a PC, it's Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, it's Option-Y. And if you're on the um, app, it's in the lower right-hand corner as a more and then the raise hand button. So raise your hand. Nat will call on you. And uh, it may, if you are on it, not on the phone. If you're on the phone, you can disregard this. But if you're on the app or on a computer, you'll need to unmute yourself when given that uh, instruction to do so. Um, so we have to allow you to talk before that unmute button appears. That's it. And and as folks get queued up here for audience question and answer, um, Miss Claire Stanley, what is it like working what do you want, with? Clark? What is it like working with a a guide dog during quarantine? I thought you were going to ask what it's like to work with you, and I was going to say horrible. Um, but <laughs> um, working with the guide dog during quarantine, you know you love it. Um, no, it's been, it's been a really, I'm sure, Olivia and Eva and many of our listeners who are guide dog users um, are probably all nodding and can relate to this. It's a weird experience to, to have a guide during quarantine because you can't work your dog nearly as much because you're not going anywhere. So. Um, I joke that anytime I have to do even the most mundane uh, task, like go to the pharmacy, I pull out the harness and Tulane jumps around like, woohoo, we're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, she's great. Even um, I try to take her out for a walk a good amount of time. And every time I put the harness on, she's just 
you know, amazing. Her, her guide work is flawless. She's really happy to happy to be doing what she's supposed to do. Um, but as such a young dog, only two and a half years old, it's especially hard because she's got a lot of energy to get out. So um, we're definitely ready for things to get back to normal so she can really do her job, the job she loves to do. Yeah. And in, in the ACB national office in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, once we're back at full capacity, chances are we will have three guide dogs in the office and I am sure the fur will fly up and down the halls and in the conference room and out to the lobby uh, once they're all back together. Off harness, of course, of course. Of course. (laughs) So Cindy and Nat, do we have uh, folks? Yes, we do. Hi, this is Nat. (laughs) Um, Danette, you should be able to speak and you're good to go. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, this has been just really great getting, getting to know the, the other people that have the picket of litter graduates in that. And I met, um, Claire and Pangita last Saturday on a different conference, conference call. Tulane sounds a lot like my Mr. Mayor. Everything about mayor is happiness. I mean, when we're working, his tail is going. It beats my behind. It, it's kind of funny. So, <laughs> and my, my question would be to, to the puppy raisers, how important is it to you to stay in touch, to hear stories, to get news about Tulane or Tartan or Paco? Should we start with the, the Guerra family, Claudia and Martina? Go ahead, Martina. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's important to stay in contact. Yes. I know um, my mom and also me, we like to talk to Olivia every now and then because it's really nice to not only see what she's doing, but also what Turner is doing as well because it's just nice to create a bond mm-hmm. um, with the, the the handler. It's just really nice. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same, absolutely. Um, so thank you, Olivia, for uh, keeping us, uh, you know, in touch. Around. Yes, <laughs> we love that. It's not just we give up our puppy that we love completely, right? We raise and and then we don't know anything about it. It's just, we're very happy. Yeah, it's just nice <laughs> yeah. to have a relationship. So thank you. <laughs> and the Dupree family. Um, this is Sue. I can chime in on that. Um, we were told from the beginning as we were preparing emotionally um, of uh, releasing uh, Paco back to GDB for training that um, the person who would be receiving our puppy, that they have a right to their privacy too, and that we... Um, need to honor that whatever they may be so we we understood that going in and we're just so pleased that with miss Velez with Eva that um that she continues to reach out to us and to keep in touch um whether it be a short text or a little blurb as to what's going on that we're thinking of her um when we first receive our puppy we always imagine the person that Um, our puppy can be going to. And so we're always sending good thoughts and thinking of them um, probably months and years before. Sorry, I'm joking. (laughs) 
but um, it's so uh, in a way the processing is incredibly rewarding and fulfilling, especially when we finally get to meet the person um, at graduation and being able to keep up with them, even getting a little snippet of an update. It's it's very very gratifying for us. So we're we're very grateful. Well, Su Susan, thank you so much for sharing that. And you're, you and your family are definitely stronger than I am. I want all the puppies and to give none of them away to anyone. <laughs> um, so thank you for, for sharing your gifts so that uh, Ava and others may, may work with a guide. And Sanjita, uh, are you in fairly regular contact with Claire and Tulane? Yes, I am. And, I'm sorry um, you have to talk with Claire so frequently. <laughs> no, I actually enjoy very much so. Uh, so I look forward to her texts um, and messages. And it's always good to know that they are doing great. Um, I echo the sentiments of other raisers. Um, it is a little bit of hard, uh, you know, it's hard if you get emotionally attached. So it takes time and discipline on our side as well to uh, let go. Um, and But it's always a pleasure knowing that they both are doing good and they're happy. That's great, thank you. Nat, do we have any other questions from the audience? Yeah, we do. Um, if your area code is 312, you're able to speak and good to go. They'll need to have, unmute. They need to unmute. So you should have a pop up on your screen that is asking you to unmute. Why don't you go to the next one, Nat? No problem. Carl, Carl, you are unmuted and able to go ahead. Hello, Carl. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hey, hey Claire Clark. Um, first of all, I will say that whenever I go to the conventions and see Claire, my dog Merrick, my nine-year-old male dog, ignores all the other dogs. But for some reason, whenever he sees Tulane, he makes a beeline for Tulane. So <laughs> he, he loves He's got Tulane. good taste. So um, I don't really have a question. I just want to express my sincere gratitude toward both the puppy raisers and the dog trainers. I've been a service dog user for more than 20 years. Um, I'm on my third dog. And, you know, I, I live in a fairly busy metropolitan area and take the bus. When things are normal, I take the bus and subway every day to get to work. You know, um, I'm often working 10, 12-hour days. And I wouldn't be able to do this. And what the dogs do is give me my mobility, independence, and my freedom. And I thank you so sincerely. I can't ever thank you for the sacrifice that all of you make. And I just want to make sure you hear that. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, Carl. Awesome. And Carl, while we have you. Oh, um, he's been muted already and removed. So sorry. All right. No worries. Sorry. We have a... We, we have a system here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of raised hands, by the way. So Cindy you're going to want to keep cracking going. the whip. Okay, <laughs> you do have a lot of raised one. hands. Yeah. Melanie, you should be able to speak and good to go. 
And if not, there may be a pop-up on your screen that is asking you to unmute. I think I just found it. Yep, there you, there are. you go. Excellent. Thank you. I have a question, I think probably for Chelsea, but if anybody has any comments, I'd like to hear them. I'm curious about um, if you know how Guide Dogs for the Blind and all of you were chosen to participate in um, either the, both the movie and the, the documentary, the, the TV series as well as the, the, the original documentary. This uh, is Sue. I can jump in. I, I think um, my, my theory or my, my thinking was, was that um, we just got lucky in terms of timing for the puppies um, with the shooting, the film crew with their schedule. Honestly, if, if people really knew us, we're, we're pretty chaotic and crazy family, <laughs> <laughs> um, really busy um, with four teens. And so sometimes I wonder, how did we get picked? I just think it was the luck of Paco that brought us all together. <laughs> Yeah. And Chelsea, do you have any insight? I think, you know, similar to what Sue said, I think, you know, based on, you know, with what Disney and um, the film crew wanted to get done and the amount of time they wanted to get it done in, um, we kind of had to just go based on, you know, our cycle that when we pull dogs in for recall and what cycle the trainers are at and everything like that. So I think, you know, everyone was asked to make sure they were willing to participate and those willing to participate, you know, are the folks that you see here. So um, I was definitely more than willing and I'm excited to, that I was able to be a part of the process. And then for me and Olivia and Kendall and Eva, you know, we were just blessed and lucky that, you know, as our applications were in to get dogs, that the dogs that they were training on Pick of the Litter, that we just happened to fit the characteristics that went well with the dog. So, you know, Tulane was a star regardless. And I just was fortunate enough to, to they, they believed we were a good pair. And so that's, that's how it worked out for us. So, but she would have been a superstar, you know, regardless. So. All right. Thank you for that question. Um, you are showing up as webinar ID 465, and you should be unmuted and able to talk. That must be me. Yes. <clears throat> because it unmute popped up. I hope you can hear me. Yes. Uh, I am Pam, and my question, I, un unfortunately, I do not have a, a guide dog, but my question is, um, okay, schools where people train for using a dog are, I know they're scattered all over the country. If, let's say you go to a school that is in, let's just say Southern California. I don't know where the, all of the schools are, but let's say it's in Southern California and you live in North Dakota where it snows a ton during the winter and Southern California does not get snow. So how do you train a would be guide dog that's going to live in snow country when you're in uh, Southern California where it's always sunny and 80 degrees? 
that's a great question. I, I think Chelsea, you're probably the best suited to answer that. And just more broadly, how do you train a, a dog, not only for the climate, um, but for example, Claire living in Washington, DC and having an urban environment or Olivia working with a dog on a college campus? How do you prepare the dogs and the handlers uh, to be successful in their home environments? Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, so first to start out, Guide Dogs for the Blind is in San Rafael and in San Rafael, California, which is in Northern California. We also have a campus in Boring, Oregon, which is just outside of Portland, Oregon. And if you're in anywhere in the country or Canada, you know, we are able to, and we have a few international clients as well, um, no expenses necessary. We bring everyone to our campuses in either California or Oregon for training. So even if you're in North Dakota, you can come um, for, in for training. Um, and so we do our best, you know, when the dogs are in training to expose them to all sorts of environments. We are a little bit limited in the weather that we get here. Um, but we do have puppy raisers that expand outside of Oregon and California. And we have some in, in Utah and Texas. And so we sometimes the, the dogs may be raised in a slightly different um, climate. Um, but beyond that, we just do our best to expose the dogs to as much as we can while we're here in training. But, you know, that's only about a year and a half of their life. So once they're matched with a client, but let's say lives in North Dakota, that client will go home with their dog and they will get continued support from a field service representative in their home area. So while the client is in class, you know, we can talk about how you should go about training your dog in the snow and, you know, the ideas that we have um, to start you off for success. But if you're having any issues or if you wanted some hands-on help in your home area, an instructor could come out and visit you there and make sure that you're all set up for success. We're pretty fortunate that the dogs are pretty um, flexible and they adapt to new environments really well. All right, Carrie, you should be able to talk and good to go. Great, thank you. I got to tell you guys, I'm pretty excited. I met Claire and Tulane in DC and my twin granddaughters are here, Claire, that I had talked to you with that day. Girl, say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, you guys. <laughs> so so um, I'll tell you guys, I had, I had a guide dog um, named Marble that passed away just before Christmas. And it was a very difficult, you know, time. So I watched Pick of the Litter with tears running down my face. <laughs> um, and so my question is, one of the biggest things that I was very, very surprised, she was my first ever guide dog, is I was surprised in the training how emotional that whole journey was. That two weeks, you know, it is extremely busy. You're busy all day, all evening. And so, so I guess my question is how much of that, um, emotional aspect, is it different when like Claire, you got your second and then third dog and is it really an emotional time for the trainers as well? So Claire, why don't you start and then we'll, 
uh, ask Olivia and Kendall before checking in with Chelsea. Sure. Um, hi, Carrie. Yes, um, definitely lots of emotions. And I think there are definitely some emotions that take place every single time, no matter if it's dog number one or dog number 20. Um, and then there are different emotions that range depending on what dog number it is and where you are in life at that particular time. Um, so there's just always the emotion of, you know, being bonded with a new animal and going through the motions. And so that's been the same with all three of my dogs. But the first time, for instance, it was, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? They gave me this amazing dog. What were they thinking um, to my you know, newest dog thinking, oh, my gosh, I was so bonded to my last dog. This new dog's going to, you know, is she going to love me like my last dog? So the emotions definitely um, look different each time. But then, like I said, I think there are similar emotions every time. Um, it's so hard because we fall, <laughs> darn guide dogs, you guys give us such amazing dogs and we fall madly in love with them. And then when we have to retire them to go through all those emotions is, is a tough process. And then to, to suddenly have to bond with a new dog, it comes with a lot of feelings. Um, so yeah, there are definitely a whole, whole slew of emotions that are both unique to each time and also familiar each time. And Olivia, emotionally, what was the experience like for you? Um, so for me, um, I was actually going through, um, I had just had surgery a month before I got to guide dogs, um, and it wasn't healed properly. Um, still isn't actually, but, um, so I had the emotion of being in a lot of pain throughout, um, my two weeks of training. Um, but my, my trainer, Gina was amazing handling that and the person I was paired with, um, Jenna, she was amazing as well, just helping me all through that. But emotionally, you know, it was better than I thought it was going to be. But I definitely remember like having those tears at night, like, oh, my gosh, this is real. Or honestly, can I do this? Like, if it wasn't even a rough day, it was just like, I didn't know if I could do it. Um, I did have those tears at night and it happened. But I think the support that's given to you through guide dogs is amazing. But also just the classmates that you have as well um, is amazing. I bonded very quickly with one of my classmates and I'm still in contact with her um, pretty much every day. Um, and the support that you just get from these people just helps with any bonding or like any emotional issues that you're having. For me, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And Kendall, um, we've already touched on the, the experience that you had. Uh, will you please share a little bit about the, the emotions involved with that? But also, it sounds like oh, you're pretty keen to pursue a guide dog in the future and some of the emotions associated with that as well. Okay, that's a great question. So let's start with the emotions of everything leading up to what what we're talking about now, which is me getting a new dog. Okay, so when I met Tartan, as you could see in pictures over there, it was probably the best moment in my whole life because she literally bounced in the room. She was jumping on me, hugging me with her paw, and I thought, this is my best friend for eight to 10 years. And then, you know, but also I had just come off of taking final exams and I was super super exhausted and so you know i was i didn't even know until much later how tired i really was but i was super i mean it was it was fast and furious because i applied in january 
and got the dog in May, which is four months. And usually it takes about, I want to say nine months to a year. But, and I would say, you know, so then there was the emotions of, I had to sort out through the emotions of, okay, I'm not going to be able to take the dog home. And so that was, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I was completely devastated. I cried so hard and so much for about, oh gosh, I cried for about three days straight because it was just, nobody had ever told me that that was going to happen. I had no way of knowing that that was going to happen. But then I got over it and I said, well, I didn't get over it as much as I finally just said, you know what? It is what it is. This happened for a reason. And then going through the emotions of, okay, now I'm going to go to this program and it's going to help me so much. So I went to that one emotions emotion program and that program just really helped me so much. And I started working with an instructor in my home environment who has been to GD, who's Guide Dogs for the Blind, and who has, um, you know, she observed the ONM Emotion program when the program was just coming off the ground. So, and she has, she knows so much about Guide Dogs. And so I know that working with her also helped me immensely. So just going through all the emotions of grief when I didn't get to bring the dog home to, okay, I feel ready to apply for the dog. It's just a matter of when I'm going to apply because, you know, obviously with the pandemic changing things i don't know when anybody's gonna be able to start class again so sure you know, just, and also i want to adjust to being at because i'm going to be a graduate student in the fall at unt university of north texas where i go to school now so i did my bachelor's there i'll do my master's there but i want to kind of adjust to working as a teaching assistant and being a graduate student so I want to bring a dog into a situation where I know, where I know that he or she will succeed as, you know, I am super ready to continue to work towards my goal of getting a guide dog. So I'm just, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. That's great. Thank you. And, and Chelsea, from the perspective of a trainer, um, how do you get emotionally attached to the dogs? What, what are the emotions that you feel going through the training and graduation process? Um, well, you know, you don't do this job unless you're a passionate, emotional person to a certain extent. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of um, our heart and soul that we, we put in these dogs, but I don't know how the puppy raisers do it. You know, having the dogs in their home for a year and a half, I don't know if that's something I could do. I think, you know, there's a little bit of distance with me being coming into work every day. I think that there's a, a strong, a strong relationship that all of the instructors um, build with, with their dogs. And I think, you know, but we, always have the end result in mind, you know, getting to that point at graduation, um, you know, or we see, especially the dogs that we've trained um, go off to their new life um, can be emotional, but it's just, it's their happy tears and their, you know, it's um, happy emotions and excitement um, of seeing uh, what can come next. And so much pride. I always joke that it's a little bit more of a, a proud mama moment that I have with my dog's moving on um, and graduating and, you know, on their next adventure with the clients than it is, um, you know, being sad, but every dog, you know, touches your heart in a certain way. How can they not? I mean, there's these labs and golden retrievers are so their love is unconditional. And I think 
that that's why all of us are here, right? Is to experience that. All right, thank you. And I think we have about 15 more minutes, so we've got time for a few more questions. All right, um, if your area code is 510, you're unmuted and you should be good to go. Yes, hi, uh, I'm Tony and uh, Chelsea, I believe you were the trainer of my dog, uh, Jagger, the golden retriever uh, a couple of years ago. And I just wanted to thank you. He's an, an amazing dog. And I am in my 60s and he was my first dog. And I've always yeah. been a good king traveler. And I am just so uh, thankful for the work that you put into him. And Adam, who was my instructor, uh, both did a great job. So that's no question. I just wanted to say thank you. Hi. I think it might be the other Chelsea that works at Guide Dogs, but I will definitely pass on the message because I remember that dog. And there are two Chelsea's that work at Guide Dogs for the Blind, but I'll pass on the message to her. <laughs> um, Marsha, you should be able to speak and you're good to go. Thanks a lot. And and mine is not a question. It's just a, a, a vote of thanks to Kendall for for allowing us to see your journey, because I think it's really important that people know that sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to, but that it's so real. It was honestly watching it was so real. And I'm so glad that you had the I don't know, for fortitude to allow them to leave it in the documentary so that we could go with you, go along your journey with you, because honestly, that must have been a really difficult decision to know that everyone was going to watch this journey that didn't end the way, you know, everybody wants it to. But I'm so, so glad that you went to the O&M immersion program and I can't wait to hear about your new guide dog whenever that happens. And I, I Thank just, you so like, much. I just, honestly, you were the special one in all of the, the whole oh. pick of the litter. It just, Thanks. Bec because it was so real. I mean, when I went to GDB almost three years ago, the first dog they gave me didn't work out. So I know that, that things like this happen. And I, it, I, I just thank everyone for allowing it to be so real. Like, I think that really made the documentary series real, that we saw the puppies that didn't make it, and we saw a handler go through a journey like yours. Thank you. And I just have to say, oh, I just have to say, it was a no-brainer for me to continue in the documentary, because I knew that I wanted to show that side because not a lot of people see that side. And so thank you for your kind words. Uh, Clark, before we go to the next question, I do see that Eva is still on. Can we give her one more chance to see if she can unmute? Absolutely. Eva, if you have the ability to unmute, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, sorry, Eva. Um, Eva, again, the the mute button if you're on a, a smartphone with the application is in the bottom left. If you're on a computer, it's Alt-A. And if you are on a landline, um, seeing how we see your name, I don't think you are. It is yeah, star no. six. No, she is on a landline. 
Star six. Is she on the landline? Yeah, I'll explain later. Uh huh. Okay. Star six. So if you can enter star six, Eva. Well, within the last 10 minutes, Eva, if you're successful, feel free to yell out at us. <laughs> yeah, especially if Claire's talking, just bump right in. <laughs> Thanks, Clark. <laughs> so I have a question. I, wa I want to know, Claire, this question's for you. What is the greatest challenge working with Clark? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need more than 10 minutes. <laughs> No, Clark is, Clark is great to work with. The whole team, the whole ACB team is a great group of people to work with, including Cindy. There's Eva. What a constant professional, Claire. Yes. Yeah. You guys are almost like brother and sister sometimes. Yes, Eva. Hello. Yes. Hi. Oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. I've been so stressed out trying to get on, and I don't like to give up, but I thought I had to, so almost over. But I've been listening to everyone. It's very emotional. And Eva, you are working with Paco? Yes. Mm -hmm. And how is Paco? Oh, is that, a, that must be a trick question. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I cannot. Maybe Claire can. You cannot. Okay. I can't see you guys either. But, uh, <laughs> How is Paco doing? He's doing great. He's over there he, uh, chewing on his bone that he loves. It's a beef bone that's about half, but he loves it. <laughs> yeah, he's and, doing great. And uh, Paco was your first guide dog in quite some time, correct? Correct. Yes. It's been, um, gosh, since 93, I think. So, so what is it like uh, previously working with a guide, um, not working with a guide, and then making the decision to work with the guide again? It's, it's wonderful for me because being that I didn't, I was using my cane since 2007 and then having one special pick up a litter dog to guide me around. It was so relaxing. I didn't have to worry about, you know, bumping into things or trying to find out if I was at such and such place. So he makes my life carefree. Yeah. And what was the experience for you with the, the, the camera crews and the pick of the litter series um, and having that part of your return to working with a guide? Um, you know, it was really pleasant experience to have the crew around they were very patient with me and and they were just letting me go you know without rushing they were just very nice and telling me when you know to repeat what I had said or to um just let me go at my own pace I really enjoyed working with them and it was fun and exciting at the same time. I, I, I look forward to each time they were going to come around and um, film Paco and I. Mm -hmm. And Eva, uh, Paco was raised by the the Dupree family, correct? Who's also on this call? Do you all 
Yeah. Uh, keep right. keep in touch. Hi, um, you know. Hi, Roger. Hi, Sue. Hi, Jen. Oh, and all of um, you know, I heard Sue speaking about how much she would like to stay in touch with me. And it's so difficult. I wouldn't get pictures on my own and send them to you guys. I love you guys, and I thank you for doing what you did with Paco and training him so well. But it's just so difficult for me to do it, you know. It's not that I don't care about you and um, Jesse and Claire, too. I really appreciate what she did with Paco. But it's just so difficult to to um, get pictures and send them. I know it's not difficult to text messages. I but I'm sorry, and I will try my best to to reach out more often. Eva, I don't know if you know, but I believe one of your nephews, I we met him at the viewing party, and I have his phone number, and he sends me pictures of Paco. Oh, he does? Oh, and I'm so glad. Like, I have, like, a couple talk. of those little kiddos on my phone, and they always send me updates saying, this is Paco today, or this is what Paco's doing. And it's quite... It's quite oh, I, you know, I didn't know that, but I'm glad they're doing that, because I really wish I could do that for you guys. So I'll tell them to keep it up. <laughs> and I'll take <text> you <laughs> more often. Well, that's great. Eva, thank you for sharing your your experience with us. I'm glad that you persevered and were able to, to join us here. Um, and yes, I'm glad to say that. Um, yeah. It was because my microphone was turned off on their settings, and that's why it took me forever to get back on. Oh, I never would have made it on if that was the case. I, I would have just <laughs> sent Cindy a text saying, better luck next time. <laughs> Um, but we are hearing the end here this evening and, um, I think I've spoken enough, so I'm going to kick it over to Claire Stanley for closing remarks and thank yous. Great. Well, thank you again to all the puppy raisers, um, all the dog handlers and Chelsea, uh, one of our trainers from GDB for participating. I know I had such a fun time with the whole pick of the litter process. Um, and I've always had such a great experience with GDB with all my dogs. So um, thank you everybody for just taking uh, the time out this afternoon, evening, depending on where you're coming from to participate. I know I really enjoyed, uh, someone used the term getting the team back together when we were talking. So it's been fun getting the team back together. So thank you again. Um, this will, this has been streamed, but we'll also archive it so everybody can go back and listen. Um, feel free to reach out with any questions. Um, and like I said earlier, little, um, little promotion for the pick of the litter airing and talk we'll have at the annual convention this summer. Unfortunately, it won't be in person like we all hoped. It'll be virtual, but it'll still be great. Um, so uh, Claudia, Martina, uh, Sue, Roger, and all the kids, um, <laughs> Sangeeta and Mahir, um, Olivia, Kendall, Chelsea, and did I miss anybody? Emma, um, thank you so much for all of you for participating. And Cindy and Nat and Clark, thank you. And Deb, thank you. And for folks thank who you. want to learn more about the ACB virtual conference and convention, registration is now open. You can visit the website at www.acbconvention.org. Again, that's www.acbconvention.org.
and that is July 3rd through 10th. So we're approaching the the one month mark. Uh, It's getting exciting. And then to close out here, Claire, what do you always tell Tulane? What do I always tell Tulane? Yeah. Is that a trick question? I tell Tulane many things. (laughs) When she's very happy. Oh, I don't know. And her tail is wagging. Oh, you wag that tail? You wag that tail. You (laughs) wag that tail. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much.